When he disembarked and saw the vast crowd, his heart was moved with pity for them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. My friends, despite Jesus' life and teachings, and his sending of the Holy Spirit, and his establishment of the church, we continue to be like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus did not want this. Jesus did everything he could to avoid this. And yet, we are no different than that crowd two millennia ago. Why do I say this? I say it because we, the sheep of God's flock, are divided. Now, the shepherd has three primary roles. The first is to protect the sheep from wolves and robbers. The second is to continually lead the sheep to verdant pastures, where they can find food and nourishment. But these tasks both depend on the third responsibility of the shepherd, to keep the flock together. If the flock is not unified, if they are all heading in different directions, then they cannot be protected and they cannot be led. So, if the flock of God is divided... If unity, the most important work of the shepherd, is not being accomplished, then what can we possibly conclude other than the fact that we must be without a shepherd? I do not intend to use this homily to condemn or to shame. But in order to address this issue, we have to understand the breadth of the problem. So please bear with me as I describe just how divided we are. In the English-speaking Catholic Church of North America and Europe, the primary and most scandalous divisions are political. Rather than follow Jesus, the Church, and the bishops on matters like abortion, birth control, same-sex marriage, the death penalty, immigration, human trafficking, climate change, and war, we have divided into camps based on our political parties. For some inexplicable reason, we have decided that we would much rather give our full confidence and trust to our politicians than our bishops. Yes, good and faithful Catholics can disagree on how to properly implement the teachings of the Church through political means. But that requires starting with a common acceptance of the teachings of the Church. Instead, we are so beholden to our political tribes that we prefer the democratic national platform to the Bible and the opinions of Fox News to those of the United States bishops. In our immigrant communities, the divisions are usually far more personal. It is always an open secret who is mad at whom, which family is fighting with which family, and who has been kicked out of which group. We end up using the church, our parish, and our ministries as tools to exclude, to gossip, to exile, and to humiliate. How horrible. The church is supposed to be a place of healing and welcome. The church is supposed to be a home for all nations and all people. And our ministries are supposed to preach Jesus Christ without exception and without compromise. But how can we preach Jesus 
when ministry becomes about power and control. I understand that forgiveness is hard. The Lord understands that forgiveness is hard. But when we know we have hurt someone, and when we know we are struggling to forgive them, we should at least be ashamed of our lack of forgiveness. We should never give in to our pride and be proud that we have created a division within the church. Finally, both of our communities struggle with selfishness and lack of trust. We are most selfish when we put our own opinions above the teachings of the church or the needs of the community. And this often gets expressed in liturgy. Sometimes we frame this as a division between theological liberals and theological conservatives. But both sides are generally just yelling about their opinions. Very, very few people bother to understand the teachings of the church and the direction of the bishops. And instead talk only about what they want for this, that, or the other thing. Here is a heart test for us. If we ran into a situation where we had to cut a mass, what would we talk about in that discussion? Would we talk about the mental health of our priests, the available resources of the community, and the ability of our parish to be strong moving forward? Or would we talk about the fact that we have been going to that mass for years, and we really like the ability to go to dinner or brunch afterwards? Which approach would develop a common vision, and which would result in division? We also lack trust in one another. One of the most heartbreaking things to me about St. Charles Parish, where my office is located, is how many locked cabinets we have in our storage areas and classrooms. Whenever I bring up the topic, I am always told that this group or that group kept stealing things from us, so we needed our own cabinet with our own lock. Now, of course, I don't dispute that common areas and common resources are often difficult to manage, and that sometimes people have less respect for these resources than they ought to. But, do we solve this problem with a lock, or do we solve this problem by bringing ministry leaders together and having a conversation? Now, I don't know Immaculate Heart well enough yet to know whether this problem exists here, but I have no doubt that it does in some form or another. So yes, my friends, the church is rife with divisions. We do not possess the unity that Christ desires for us. But again, why? It is because we lack a shepherd. This situation develops in one of two ways. First, it can often be the shepherd's fault, something that our first reading goes after with zeal. Jeremiah accuses the shepherds of his day of misleading and scattering, of driving the sheep away, and of not caring for the flock. This has absolutely happened in the American church. Obviously, the greatest betrayal of the people has been the sex abuse crisis. But even closer to home, priests have been mean, uncharitable, harsh, and without understanding. They themselves have given in to the political divides, 
or have enforced their own beliefs or opinions instead of staying rooted in the teachings of the church. Sometimes priests have even caused the divisions in our ministries or groups to the detriment of all. These sins of the priesthood are always tremendously detrimental to the people of God. And I am so deeply sorry if any of you have ever experienced them. If I ever drive you away from the church or become a major source of division in your family and friends, please tell me. It is obvious from the first reading that God wants me to feel the weight of my ministry, especially if my personal flaws are hurting his flock. The other way our church becomes shepherdless is when the people stop listening to the leaders. Some people resent the authority given to the bishops by Christ and the authority given to the priests by the bishops. Some people are so attached to their politics or their opinions that they will ignore anyone who disagrees with them, including the bishops and priests. And some people will use the personal flaws and failings of the leaders as an excuse to ignore them entirely, even when they are legitimately exercising their God-given office. And yet, regardless of what has caused our divisions, regardless of what has left us without a shepherd, the solution is the same. And it comes to us in our second reading. St. Paul says, In Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have become near, By the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. He who broke down the dividing wall of enmity through his flesh. Jesus is our ultimate shepherd. Jesus is our source of unity. Jesus is the one who heals every division and who forms every nation into one flock under the one shepherd. When we focus on Jesus, we realize that our politics, our opinions, and our interpersonal conflicts must be subservient to Christ. When we focus on Jesus, we will not feel threatened by a hierarchical church, but will see it as necessary for fidelity to the Lord and unity amongst his people. And when the clergy focus on Jesus we will realize that leadership is never about power. It is always about service. Service that must be carried out with the profound care, understanding, and respect that Jesus would demand of those who stand in his place. But, and this is possibly the most important but in the history of buts, but, If we are going to focus on Jesus and find healing and unity in him, then we must approach him as he really is, not as we want him to be. We must abandon a Jesus made in our own image. A Jesus who is a non-judgmental, come-as-you-are progressive. Or a Jesus who is an angry, unrelenting judge whose sole focus is on how much pain we cause him with each little sin. No, we have to rededicate ourselves 
to rediscovering the Jesus of the Bible, the Jesus of the church, the Jesus who is always fresh, always new, and always surprising. Abandoning ourselves and our biases in order to seek Jesus together as a community is very, very difficult. It is work that is accomplished in millions of little steps spread over decades. But it is absolutely worth it. Imagine a parish where we all share in common that most important thing, a desire to find Jesus together. Imagine a parish that is unified by the one shepherd. Let's commit ourselves, here and now, to seeking Jesus together, so that by the grace of God, our parish can become such a place.